You are listening to a Whitebridge Baptist Church sermon podcast. So again, just an invitation for those of you students grade 5 to 7. If at any point during the service you feel like you'd just like to leave and go into that conference room, there's a few of your leaders there, and uh, they'll be waiting for you to listen and to talk with you. So please, uh, if you want to, make use of that today. I want to thank you for being a praying church. I want to thank you this week specifically for your prayers for myself. Uh, I have not taken that for granted. I thank you very much for that. And I thank you very much for praying for all the different families who we have voiced over the last while that are in need, specifically for uh, the Bergmans this last week, for Dave, Susan, and Joshua. I know that they would want to say thank you. And so I do that on their behalf. And uh, I just want to encourage you that in some of the darkest moments, and these have been some hard and dark days, there has also been much beauty of Christ evident. Um, That would have to be the way it works, right? The darker it is, the brighter Christ shines. And uh, I've seen that in our church family over these last days. And uh, for me, when I think over this week from Sunday to Monday, Tuesday, uh, without going into much detail, I'd say Monday night with the Bergmans was a very special night. We were just sitting outside talking about Jesse's life and how Jesse wanted to honor the Lord. Uh, it just beautifully came about how wanting to honor Jesse and wanting to honor God were so easily intertwined because he was a young man who desired to, to live for Christ. And uh, most of the elements of the service that we had yesterday came out just from talking around the pool. And uh, it was a beautiful time when also a dark place. And uh, I want to thank you as a church family for supporting them this week. And I know that they'd want to extend that to you as well. They were touched by how many people expressed care for them in so many different ways. And uh, you know what? It's usually in these moments where we start understanding the value of having Christian family. For me, it was when my brother-in-law died when I was, I think I was 22, when I first realized how valuable it was to have church family around you. Up till then, I'd served in the church, enjoyed being in the church that way, but then it was like, wow, Lord, thank you that your presence isn't just you and me, your presence is with us. And I want to thank you for being that, and I want to encourage us and exhort that God has so much more for us to experience in him. And he doesn't want it just to be the hard times where we notice that. And so I want to thank you. I've been reading a book um, this last while, and it's called, I don't know if you can see it too clearly there, it says, Ten Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health by Donald Whitney. And uh, one of the questions he asked, he said, this is a question that will help you discern if you're maturing in your faith. And the question is, do you delight in the bride of Christ? When you think about the Bride of Christ, when you think about church, does it make your heart skip a beat? Christ died for the church. It's true, he died for you, he died for me, so we can have a relationship with God, but he didn't die for us individually, he died for his bride. And his bride is every single person who has given their life to Christ. That's how much God loves his church that he would send his son to die for us. So if I hear people say, well, I like God, but I'm not so crazy about the church, 
or if I feel that way sometimes, I can tell that I'm not quite in beat with my Savior because he loves the church. And he wants us to realize that church is so much more than this hour. It's so much more than the other meeting you might have midweek with your life group or a service. The church is us living in the power of the Holy Spirit together whenever we meet throughout the week. And it's us going out into a world to tell tell them about a God who loves them and has done everything he needs to in order for everybody to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So do you love the church? And I'd say, if I'm honest, no, not always. Not the way that I see the church. And Lord, I want to grow to love the church more and more. I want to be, I want to be passionate about us together. So I want to encourage you over the coming weeks and coming months, what does it look like to kind of shift life a little bit in our focus and say, what does it mean to love each other well as Christ would want us to so that when the Bible says the world will know we're Christians by our love, that that will resonate as true. Yeah, Lord, because this, what we have with each other, this is what the world needs because it's you and us. And that's a beautiful thing to think of, that that's what we have to offer. The illustration I want to give you is this. When my close friends started having children, immediately when I'd hear that a child is born, and for some of you, when you hear that Seth was born on Monday, there's an automatic love for the child because of the parents. You love the parents. And without even having met the baby, you love the baby. Right? That's the way it works. But if you walk with friends, in time that love for the child becomes a lot more unique and personalized and heartfelt because you fall in love with the child. My friend's children, I love them. I care for each one. So when we look at the church and we talk about we are the children of God, I love my father. I automatically want to love his kids. But it only really happens when you spend time with his children. So that's what we need to do. We need to spend time with each other. That's why we want you to know that when we offer things at church that allow us to get together, it's not just to put something in your calendar. It's because we know if we don't do that, we can't really grow in love for each other. Then we just have a service on Sunday and a midweek program. So when we offer something like that, or when you think of opening up your home to someone, that's how we really change a theoretical love of God's children to a felt love for each one. I just want to encourage you with that. Um, This week has had many different low points and high points for me. Uh, One of the high points this week was um, hearing the story of Emmy... uh, she came to share a story with me. I'm going to ask her to come up right away. But I just remembered I have another slide here. And I'm going to show you this one. It's a question that I've added for myself. And it's just this. Who do you want to grow old in Christ with? Sometimes with small groups we ask, who do you want to do life together with? I think that question is good, but it's limited. Because that could just be for a season. And maybe that's what it needs to be, just for a season. But when you look at your life now and you look at the people that God has put in your life, who do you want to grow old with? Who do you look at and say, these are the people that I want around me when it comes time to meet Christ in heaven? 
These are the people that I want to really know my children and show them who Christ is by the way they live their life. Who are those people? And how can you intentionally invest in each other so that Christ is glorified and the world is transformed because you're in it? If the world isn't being transformed by us because Christ is in us, why are we here? Christ wants to do something so beautiful in us. And he just waits for us to ask him to work in us. So please, prayerfully think about these questions. This is, uh, okay, I have a weird sense of humor. And uh, so I was just looking for pictures and I just put grow old with Christ. And I found this picture. If it's not appropriate, you have to forgive me, but I laughed. And it said this, it says... uh, husband and wife looking, if you were my husband, I'd poison your coffee. And the husband says, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. (laughs) And it says, marriage, the only war where you sleep with the enemy. (laughs) And uh, forgive my sense of humor, but I like that. Uh, Emmy, I'm going to ask you to come up now and, and just share the story that you shared with me. And I believe this will be an encouragement to our church family this morning. So come on up, please. Our church family has gone through so much this weekend. So I'm really hoping that what I have to share with you today will be somewhat uplifting to us all. I'd like to share with you this morning how God works behind the scene. My mother, who was a Catholic, passed away in 1995. After I had accepted Jesus into my life as my Savior, I have often wondered and questioned and prayed about my mother's salvation. Because having a personal relationship with Christ wasn't something that was central in our lives as Catholics. So I carried this burden in my heart for so many years, wondering about my mother's salvation. Today, I would like to share with you an experience I had here in church few weeks ago. I was sitting in my regular spot, and I happened to look over to the side and saw Edna Boss smiling at me. So I got this burning desire to get up and sit beside her during the service. Well, little did I know what God had in mind for me as a result of that. Now, the story begins with the two ladies that were sitting in front of us. Ada Hartkachuk and Helen Funk. After the service, Ada questioned Helen about me and realized that I was her brother-in-law's cousin. What a small world. And then two weeks ago, just before service, Ada called me over in the lobby to tell me that her brother-in-law is my cousin who lives in Edmonton. Well, this just made my day. I was so happy to hear this. But what came next took me by such surprise. It blew me away. She started to tell me how my mother came to accept Christ as her Savior in her deathbed at the hospital over 20 years ago. Well, those words rang in my head like a bell during the entire service. As soon as I got home from church, I called Ada because I needed 
to hear this again to confirm that what I heard her say earlier in church regarding my mother's salvation wasn't just my ears playing tricks on me or that it was something I perhaps misunderstood. So my first question was, are you sure about this? And she replied, yes, I'm absolutely sure. Next, I asked her, how can you know this for a fact? And she answered, because the pastor who brought her to Christ told me so himself. And I thought to myself, how is it even possible that she would know this pastor? So I asked her one more crucial question. What is your connection to this pastor? And this is the part that blew my mind. This is something that I just wasn't prepared for at all. She said, because Emmy, he's my husband. I repeated these words over in my mind. He's her husband. So you mean to tell me that your now husband, John Kachuk, is the very pastor who brought my mother to Christ just before she died? At this point, I could barely contain myself. But there was still one more important piece of information I needed to clarify. My mother was from Poland, and surely there must have been a language barrier. Not at all, she said. My husband is also from Poland <laughs> and speaks Ukrainian. And my mother just happened to be fluent in Ukrainian. How significant that God would send someone to my mother who speaks her language so that Jesus could have saved her in her last days. There aren't words that could even come close to describe how I felt when I heard all that. I literally got goosebumps all over, and I was filled with so much joy and peace. My spirit was soaring upon hearing this because the burden I have been carrying all these years has finally been released from my heart. My mother is indeed in heaven with the Lord, and Ada's news confirms that. God works according to his timing. If I would have learned of this news before I gave my life to Christ, it most likely wouldn't have had, had such a dynamic impact on me. I truly believe that God purposely withheld this from me until the timing was meaningful. So what does this news mean to me? It's amazing grace. It's a blessing from heaven. God loves us so much. He wants to bring families together in heaven. My mother immigrated with her three daughters to Canada so that we could have a better life here. But little did she know back then that it was God's predestined plan so that we could have a better life in eternity. By God's grace, she and her three daughters have surrendered their lives to Christ here in Canada. God cares so much about families and relations. He's continuously working behind the scene. So thank you, Ada, for this revelation. And thank you, John, for being there for my mother and for bringing her to the Lord. And now please join me in prayer.
Dear Father in heaven, thank you for revealing this assurance regarding my mother's salvation. You continuously enrich our lives with your blessings. We also thank you for your promise of eternal life. We know that we are clear of all doubt about salvation when we surrender our life to you and choose to follow you. Dear Lord, we know that family is very important to you. So we thank you for the blessing of family. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Can I hear an amen for that, please? Amen. I have two stories that I want to share with you uh, from this last week. And uh, the first one took place on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, I, I uh, went home mid-afternoon to have some lunch and get a bit of a snooze before coming back for the evening. And uh, when I woke up, there was a message on my phone, and I didn't recognize the number, and I called it, and for the sake of our purposes, I'll say it was a man named Joe. And he just left a message saying, Doug, I was given your name by uh, Grant Memorial, and uh, my son's passed away, and we're going to be doing the funeral at 2 o'clock on Monday. Would you be able to help us? So I listened to his message, and I said, Lord, what, what can I do? Um, I automatically just say, yes, I want to help, but I also know that I have limited capacity. Lord, I, I don't know if this is what you want me to do, even though it's something that's needed to be done. The growing edge for me in my life, there's different areas that God's working on me, but one of them is, I say this quite regularly, I only have to give of eternal worth what God has given me. That's the only thing I have to give that's really of eternal worth. So, Lord, when am I working in your Holy Spirit, and when am I just kind of going on my own, thinking this is what needs to be done? And I had this conflict, because I just wanted to help, but I didn't feel that it was actually what I was supposed to invest my time in for this week. And I didn't want to leave this person hanging, because I assumed that they probably didn't have a church family, otherwise they wouldn't be asking someone they didn't know to do a service for them. So I uh, got my phone, and I called four of my friends who were pastors and I left messages didn't get a hold of any of them and I didn't have an answer for this person yet and I knew I had to come to church so I uh, prayerfully just called his phone it went right to voicemail and I prayerfully started to speak and I just explained Joe I feel for you I don't know what your circumstance is I, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you right now and uh, I, I agree with you without even knowing you and uh, I just need you to know that these are some of the things that are going on in my life right now. And I just said a few things. And I said, so I've called some friends because I don't think I can give you the care that you need right now, but I don't want to leave you hanging. And so I've called these friends, and I hope that I'll hear back from them. And I'll let you know as soon as I do. That's a message I left on his phone. So I came to church, and uh, I had peace, but it was just still, you know, you're just hanging. Had our meeting at church, and... Uh, uh, when I came out, there was a, a message on there saying, Doug, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate your situation. I thank you that you have tried to find someone to, to be with us. And that was the message. So I called him back, and I uh, said, uh, we started talking. I said, Joe, I, we've never met. I, I don't know the situation. Can you just tell me what's taken place? 
And uh, he said, my son, who's 28, committed suicide. I said, Joe, I'm so sorry for you. And then he said, Doug, don't worry. Um, we realized that uh, Grant Memorial was actually too big of a venue when our son died. We just didn't know how to, what to do, so we just got the biggest place available. And uh, he said, we don't, we don't need a place that big. So we called uh, Waverly Fellowship, and we've made arrangements there, and one of the pastors there can journey with us. And I said, oh, Joe, I'm so glad. That's one of our sister churches. I know the people there. They walk well with you. And uh, I said, I, Joe, I want you to know that even though I can't be with you now for, for Monday, I want to be there for you. If you ever just need to talk with someone, just sit and listen. I'd gladly be that person for you. And he just said, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Next day I go out, and uh, when I'm home, I usually, if I have a morning uh, to myself, I go to the food court at St. Patel for 8 o'clock, and I have my devotions. I do whatever prep I can do before I head to the office. And uh, <clears throat> phone rings, and uh, he had, I guess, had a whole bunch of numbers on his phone that he wasn't quite familiar with. And he dialed me, and he meant to dial someone else. And uh, yeah, he, he just started talking to me and I said, oh, I, I said, Joe, this is not who you think it is. And he says, oh, Doug. And he goes, oh, it's just, he goes, Doug, it's just good to hear your voice. <laughs> and I said, well, it's good to hear yours. And, and again, I just want to extend my, my offer to be with you whenever you need it. And he said, thank you. He goes, I, I think I'll be taking you up on that. He goes, I know that I'll be able, I'll need to talk. And so, you know what? I, uh, for me, that was very much a confirming thing about walking in step with the Spirit because it wasn't comfortable, but I believed I was being obedient. And, um, and I care for this man, and I've never met him. I think about him all the time. So the question uh, from this book that resonated with me is, do you have a growing concern for the spiritual and temporal needs of others? Maybe even other people you don't know. And I pray, Lord, there's so many people that I walk by and I might not even give a second thought to what's going on in their life. There's times I walk by and I can just see someone's despondent. What would it take for me to just stop and say, I don't know you, but you know, if you're willing, I'd pray for you or listen. Even when sometimes that's your friends, right? You know, there might be something deeper going in their life than what you talk about. Uh, so that's a question I'd, I'd ask you to consider that God grows in your heart and, again, is a reality check for us. And the other question would be this. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so the question I ask myself, I ask you these questions because these are the kind of questions I ask myself. And so the question is, how are you walking in step with the Holy Spirit? How is walking intimately with God part of your regular life? What are you intentionally doing to to help grow in your understanding of the privilege we have of God within us? That's a hugely important question and a great privilege that we have, being children of God. Second story. Um, over the last month or so, one of the gentlemen in our church, Vern, has introduced me to a friend of his named Peter. Peter has come to our church for the last couple of weeks and uh, you can, as soon as you see him, you'd know that he has some challenges. Uh, he has lung cancer, and uh, he's, had a, he's had a hard life. Uh, I think many things hasn't gone the way he'd want. 
And uh, anyways, he just said, Doug, can we go out for coffee sometime? So about a week and a half ago, I uh, met him at uh, Tim's by the uh, Waverly and Taylor area there. And uh, we sat down and he just started talking about his life. And I could tell right away that there was things in his life that uh, were, I wasn't sure exactly where he's coming from. And I, I just said, Peter, I said, uh, you know what, for us to have a good conversation, I just need a baseline. I need a baseline so I know how to listen to you. I need a baseline so I know also how to share with you. So what I need to know is, are you a person who says, I know who Jesus Christ is and I want to follow him obediently? Or are you a person who says, I know something of Christ and I want to know more of him? Or are you someone who's saying, I don't really care about God at the moment, I just need help? And he said, I'm in the middle. I, I know about Christ and I, I want to know more about him. I said, well, then let's spend our time talking about Jesus. What do you want to know and how can we, you know, so we just had a conversation and, and uh, I'm not going to go into the details of that. And part of the conversation at the end said, you know, Peter, as good as it is for you to come to church on Sunday, and as good as it is for us to talk together, in order for you to really grow in your knowledge of God, you need to immerse yourself in his word. And that's a step-by-step, day-by-day decision. You don't get that all at once to get the whole counsel of God. So do you have a Bible at home that you could read that's, uh, that makes sense to you when you open it up? And he goes, yeah, I have the King James Version at home. And I said, that's a good Bible. I said, the only thing is it's, kind of, it's written in Old English. So for some people, it's kind of hard to follow it, right? And he goes, yeah, well, I, I have some, you know, took some classes in you know, high school and stuff. I could read the Bible. And he goes, but I think I'll be okay with that. And I said, okay, well, if not... I just want you to tell me about that because I'll get you a Bible that will be easier for you to read. And so on Sunday, the next, this is last week, last week Sunday, he's sitting in the chair behind the sound room and he sees me and he goes, Doug, do you, do you have a Bible for me? I'd really like to have a different Bible. And I said, I sure do. And I went to my office and I have a Bible that was uh, still wrapped. And I said, this is a Bible. Consider that a gift for me. I'm so glad that you want one. That's my last conversation with him. Fern calls me Friday morning and says, uh, Peter went to the hospital for a treatment and he collapsed in front of the hospital and they took him in and he died. So I'll tell you, I can't give my friend Vern complete assurance of where his friend is with Christ, but I could tell you that there's a definite big hope in me because you could see Jesus at work in this man's life, that he was not only intrigued about God, that he was asking about God, wanting to go out for coffee with someone who could tell him about Christ, that he was finding the Word of God that he could take home and read for himself. So do I know for sure if he's with Christ? No, I don't know that for sure. But do I definitely hope and believe that that's kind of the character of God, to be bringing someone towards him? And that at some point I hope that Peter said, Lord, I need you, and my life is yours. That's my hope. So, I have a few questions that come your way just based on this story. And the first one is this. Are you governed increasingly by God's word? This is another question that comes from that book about diagnosing your spiritual health. 
Are you increasingly being governed by God's word? Are you spending time knowing this person that we say is the Lord of my life, is supposed to be my first love? Are you immersing yourself in his word so that you get to know him and learn the joy of obeying him? Because that's really what obedience ends up being. It's not drudgery. It ends up being joy when we know God. Because we know he's only leading us towards life, even if the path is hard. Another question that comes from this book that I think is suitable is, are you more loving? Are you more loving towards others? And does that include in your mind talking about Christ and living for Christ in the presence of others? Because that's what love ultimately is, right? It's sharing what God has given us to others. That's what loving is. And the last question for this morning that resonates with me um, as I think about this week is this. How are you seeking the kingdom of God with those you love? If we're church family and our first aim is to honor our Father by surrendering to Him, living for Him, asking His Holy Spirit to live in us and live through us, then that must mean that we take time to talk with each other about how God might use us to grow His kingdom. It has to be a lot more than what we do together on a Sunday morning or again what we do in programs. It has to be about what God might do through us to help others come to know Him. And maybe there will be some events where you want to bring friends to and say, hey, maybe here they'll be presented to Christ. But you know what? God already has put you in their life. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. You and your Christian friends are that influence. So when you get together with the people you love, let's start taking time to talk about what God might want to do in us and through us to reach those that we have influence with that don't yet know Jesus Christ. So when we get together and we say it's time to pray, yes, let's definitely pray for the issues in our life that concern us, for health issues, Uh, work issues, our children, whatever it is. But let's take time at least to be praying, Lord, how might you use us to advance your kingdom? I want to know people that you know who who, who don't yet know Christ. And I want to be praying for them. And I want to be so excited that if they take any step towards Jesus, that my heart will just say, Lord, yes. I want my life to be willing to be changed around based on how someone else responds to Jesus Christ because that is the most important thing I can do on this side of heaven outside of me obediently follow. It's helping anybody else do that. So church, I challenge us. Let's really, really delve into God and ask Him to grow us mature us, and may this church be a place where the kingdom of God grows. This is one of the things I've had on my heart. If we move and we build a new facility and all of a sudden we have double the space, how are those seats going to be filled? I am not at all content in thinking that it's going to be filled because some other people will think, hey, this is a new place to go, and we're just thinking people will come because there's a building. I would be ecstatic and I would do everything I could to see that place be built if it was because each and every one of us thought there's going to be at least someone from my life that's going to come to church because through my life they came to know Jesus Christ and they want to come to be part of our church family. 
Not that they just want to go to a service on Sunday. So do we expect that God is going to do that? Do I expect that God will use my life to transfer someone from darkness to light? And if I don't believe that, why am I a Christian? That's what I have to think to myself. I have to believe that. I have to believe that God wants to use me to help others come to know Him. And I have to believe that's why He put us together. Because for whatever reason, we are together. This is our family. Don't we want to see our Father glorified? Don't we want to see our family expand because God is worthy? I don't care at all about how many seats are filled. I care about people coming to know the God who loves us. It's worth giving your life to following Christ obediently. And the only way that happens is us doing that together. You cannot do it on your own. So in a week from now, two weeks from now, life is going to go in its normal rhythm. And I know already the things that will distract me will distract me and life will just kind of get in another rhythm. And I have to say, Lord, I don't want to be content with that. What choices am I intentionally going to make to help me walk closer with you and with the people in my life who are your children? And I ask you to prayerfully consider that too. And I can tell you that by making decisions that honor God, we will experience more love, more joy, more transformation in our lives, which undoubtedly will impact the world around us. That's what God wants here. So I'm going to ask you to just uh, stand with me in prayer, and I'm going to invite the worship team as we close this service. Father, I am so thankful that you just ask us to submit to you and to learn more of you through your word, through each other, through acts of service, through the reliance on your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you have brought us together as a church family. And Lord, we thank you for the joy of knowing that there is much maturity to happen within our church. That as good as things are, and I'm so thankful for the evidences of love in our church family, the support that has been shown over this week especially, but so often just these unassuming acts of kindness or people letting know that they're praying for you. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us to be family together. And I'm so thankful that there's so much more for us to experience in you. So, Lord, grow us as a family. Lord, help us to really understand that our purpose in this life is to be sanctified, to become more like Christ. And our purpose in this life is to be your ambassadors, to let the world see you through us, and not just individually, but through us collectively as a family. And may the world come to love you as we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.